الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره فنعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له فاشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له فاشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ذلك فيه لانس الله وفيه من سيك الرسول من فجرنس وفيه رفيج من الله فنريد الرسول ونريد الكنسكونسيس العزيز وضع الله جائز there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no cognitive associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his great servant and his messenger this morning we would like to begin our new series and lectures in Aqeedah Based upon the brief essay of Al-Iman Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab Rahimahullah entitled Adillah Shuruq La Ilaha Illa Allah The Evidences for the Conditions of the Statement of the Acceptability and Correctness of the Testimony of La Ilaha Illa Allah Adillah Shuruq La Ilaha Illa Allah Uh, in this case, the lectures, inshallah, which should last for seven weeks, there are seven conditions that the Imam has mentioned. Uh, during these uh, seven weeks, inshallah, we will mention each of the conditions which Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has mentioned as being from amongst the necessary essential conditions for the acceptability of someone's testimony of La ilaha illallah, along with the evidences. that Al-Iman Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has mentioned from the Qur'an and from the Sunnah for each of these conditions along with a brief explanation based upon uh, the essay of Al-Iman uh, al-Shaykh Ubaid al-Jabari Hafizatullah Mu'allah Fatih and preserve him for one of the scholars of Medina uh, and that brief sharhi has primarily We lied upon the explanations of the various scholars from the books of Tafsir or Hadith and the scholars known for uh, correctness of Aqeedah. This morning, we would like to discuss the first condition of those shuroot, the conditions of La ilaha illallah. However, before beginning with that condition, we would briefly like to mention uh, something from the biography. and the author Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab and the importance of this subject. As for the biography of Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, in this, he is Al-Imam Al-Mujadid, the reformer of his era. Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab ibn Sulaiman ibn Ali ibn Ahmed ibn Rashid ibn Zuraid al-Samini al-Majdi. He was born in the city of Ulayna, about 70 kilometers northwest of Riyadh, the capital of Saudi Arabia. He was born in the year 1115 AH of the Hijrah calendar, yani 1115 years after the Hijrah, the migration of the Prophet from Mecca to Medina. 
Spirit and a highly respected religious family known as scholarship. And he acquired, Rahimahullah, his primary education from his learned father and completed the memorization of the Quran at the age of 10. He read books of tafsir, explanation of the Quran, hadith, the narration of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and such Islamic jurisprudence, and early on became interested in the books of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, and his noble student, al-Allama ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah. After reaching the age of puberty, he traveled to Mecca to perform the Hajj, at which time he benefited from the scholars of Mecca. He also traveled to Al-Madina, Basra, Al-Iraq, and other lands, seeking knowledge of the Deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab authored many books, including perhaps the most important of them, Kitab al-Tawheed, along with Kitab al-Kadair, dealing with the major things, Usul al-Iman, Fundamentals of Faith, Kabail al-Qur'an, Virtues of the Qur'an, Al-Usul al-Salata, the Three Fundamentals, Al-Qawaid al-Arba'ah, the Four Principles, and Al-Usul al-Sitta, the Six Foundations, along with many other books, including this small essay and the study, The Shuruq of La Ilaha Illallah. As for the fundamentals of his blessed Da'wah, or his prayer, a number of important points are mentioned concerning the fundamentals that he based his da'wah upon. The first of them is the calling of the people to act which is the essence of Islam and its foundation. The second of them is warning the people against shirk, which goes along with calling to tawheed. The third of them is strictly following the Qur'an and Sunnah and the righteous predecessors, the salaf al-salih, the early generation of the Muslim Ummah, including the Sahaba, Rabbi Allahu Al-Mujman, and those who followed in their way. Along with and in addition to that which is relied upon from the sayings of the four Imams, Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, Al-Imam Malik, Al-Imam Al-Shafi, and Al-Imam Ahmed, Rahimahumullah, Jameer. Fourth, avoiding a taqsir, declaring Muslim to be out of Islam, except with its proper conditions, except after fulfilling the conditions that the scholars of the people of Sunnah have laid down before it would be permissible to declare a Muslim to have fallen out of Islam. And number five, avoiding taking elements like Muslim or non-Muslim, except in accordance with the Sharia, and that is a life for a life, etc. As for the fruits of his blessed da'wah, there are many, and from amongst the most important of them is the establishment of an Islamic state in the Arabian Peninsula after shirk and kufr was widespread amongst the Arabs of the peninsula. Number two, the correction and purification of the Islamic aqidah from shirk and bid'ah and other deviations. Number three, extending the effect of this blessed da'wah outside of the Arabian Peninsula to Egypt, Morocco, Yemen, Africa, India, and many, many other countries. Number four, establishment of a scholarly movement and awareness free from al-taqlid al-a'ma, blind following, but instead following the evidences of Qur'an and Sunnah and the opinions and understanding of the early generations of the Muslims. Number five, activating a movement of authoring and publishing Islamic books from the scholars of the time and the earlier scholars and many, many other benefits. And Imam Muhammad al-Mandu Wahab 
and that we should know them to give to the testimony of La ilaha illallah, that nothing deserves to be worshipped except the man in some of the narrations which he said, Ilan Allah, that you should single out Allah alone with Tawheed, yani to worship alone. And then if they uh, obey you in that, then let them know that Allah is made beautiful and then five prayers in a day and a night and so on to the end of the hadith. And the last point, and the main point, to show the importance of this subject of Tawheed, and particularly the testimony of La ilaha illallah, and knowing its conditions, so that whoever says it, if they don't fulfill those conditions, it will not benefit them, and it will not be affected. Therefore, the importance of knowing what are those conditions. And the final point, it is the hadith which shows that due to this testimony of La ilaha illallah, Allah will admit someone to the Jannah. And if you call it Ibadah ibn al-Samit radiallahu anhu Qalaqala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the Muslim of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said min shahida in la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la wa anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu wa anna isa abdullah wa rasuluhu wa kalimatuhu alqaha ila maryama wa ruhan minhu wal jannat al-haq والجنة حق والنار حق هذا خلق الله الجنة ألما كان من العمل يعني عبادة رضي الله عنه يساب ذات نسل الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يساب that whoever testifies whoever bears witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners in that right to be worshipped and whoever testifies that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his third slave servant and his messenger and that Isa alayhi wa sallam is the servant of Allah and his messenger and that is the word which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon Maryam and he is a spirit from him and a spirit created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that the Jannah is his truth, his reality and that the Nair, the fire, his reality Whoever testifies to these five things, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will admit him into the Jannah, no matter what his deeds might be. In this hadith, also is reported by Al-Bukhari, and like the other hadith, uh, Al-Imam Muslim has likewise reported. Uh, as for the place of La ilaha illallah in the life of a Muslim, and the merits of this kalima of La ilaha illallah, the points concerning this are mentioned in our notebook at the end of the notebook after the seven conditions. So for the sake of time, everyone can look at those points. Indeed, they are of importance. Everyone should look at them uh, to review the, the essence of these points which show the great status and the excellence of the testimony of La ilaha illallah. As for the conditions of La ilaha illallah that are mentioned by Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, in this essay he has mentioned seven. The first of them is Al Ilm, knowledge. The second of them is Al Yaqeen, certainty. The third of them is Al Ikhlas, sincerity, worshipping Allah alone. The fourth of them is Al Fiqh, truthfulness. The fifth of them is Al Mahabba, loving this word. The sixth of them is Al Inqiyad, compliance and total submission to what this word requires. And the last seventh exam is Al-Qubun, acceptance of whatever goes with it. These conditions, inshallah, each will be discussed individually along with some of the evidences 
that uh, Imam Muhammad al Mabdurahad has mentioned concerning them with a brief explanation of each of those evidences. Uh, as for the first sharp condition of La ilaha illallah, uh, along with its explanation by Sheikh al Ubaid, Ubaid al Jabiri, Hafizahullah, that is the first condition here as mentioned by Imam Muhammad al Mabdurahad, Allah Rahimahullah. Shuruq la ilaha illallah. One of the conditions of la ilaha illallah. He claims the word shuruq, it is, from its linguistic meaning, it is the close. Shuruq is the close of shart. Shart. And the shart in the language, when linguistically it means al alama, it means a sign, a mark, or an indication. And its close is shuruq or ashraq. As such it means, the technical meaning of shart, or uh, its flow of shuruq here, it means that which is of necessity, that which the responsible person who has reached the age of puberty, who is required to fulfill the requirements of Islam, uh, that which this such a person is required to know, I mean to know. The shart means what one must know and must act in accordance with. And here, what we mean by shark, the shark and la ilaha illallah, we mean that thing which a person must be aware of and they must act in accordance with in order for that person to be a muwahid, in order for that person to be one who is considered as from the people of Saudi, openly and inwardly, and outwardly and inwardly. A person, the shark here means it is the condition of that thing which a person must know and act in accordance with in order for that person to be considered as a muwahid. It is a condition. If it is absent, then that person is not a muwahid, not from the people of Tawheed. And the Imam Muhammad ibn Duhaq has mentioned seven such conditions. If any one of them is absent, then that person As we said, the first of those conditions is Shart al-Awwal, which is al-Ilm, bima'anaha nafyan wa ibbatan. Yani al-Ilm, it means, the first condition it means the knowledge of the meaning of the saying of la ilaha illallah. Knowing its meaning, nafyan and ibbatan. Nafyan, yani what is its meaning in terms of negation, what it negates, and what is its meaning in terms of affirmation, what it affirms. And the statement La ilaha illallah contains nafi and ibnat. It negates worship for anyone or anything other than Allah and it affirms worship for Allah Allah for this condition of the ilm, the evidence for the ilm as a condition for la ilaha illallah is the saying of Allah Ta'ala, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَاهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ In the Hadith mentioned in Surah Muhammad, chapter 47, verse 108, then know, أَنَّهُ لَعُوذِ اللَّهِ مِشْرُونَ then everyone must know that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be worshipped 
And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent or mission the prophets and messengers with. And therefore the da'wah, the da'wah of the prophets and messengers are in agreement upon this point, the call to la ilaha illallah. And this is, as has been stated in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Surah Al-Anbiya, chapter 21, verse 25, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا نُوحِي إِلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا فَاعْبُدُونِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we have not sent before you, meaning before the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu wa sallam, we have not sent any messenger except that we have revealed to him أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا that there is nothing that deserves to worship except I, except me, except Allah. Therefore, Worship me alone. Then the Sheikh says in this explanation, this is what was said by Nuh السلام, and Hud and Salih السلام, Ya Qawmi, Allah ma lakum min ilahin ghayru ma lakum min ilahin ghayru Yani, oh my people, worship Allah, you don't have any ilah you don't have anything that has the right to be worshipped other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is mentioned in Surah Al-A'raf, verse 59, and Surah Al-Hud, verses 50 to 61. Likewise, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informing about the agreement of the prayer, the da'wah of the prophets and messengers, he has said in Surah Al-Mahr, chapter 16, verse 36, وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنَعْبُدُ اللَّهِ وَاجْتَنِبُ الْحَابُوتِ That indeed we have mission that we have sent to every ummah, to every nation we have sent a messenger, all of them calling to the same thing, that is أَنَعْبُدُ اللَّهِ وَاجْتَنِبُ الْحَابُوتِ Worship Allah alone and avoid the worship of false gods. And likewise, Al-Khalil, the friend of Allah, Ibrahim, alayhi salam, it has been said concerning him in the term of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Zukhruf, verse 26, وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَهِيمُ لِأَبِيهِ وَقَوْمِهِ إِنَّنِي بُرَاءٌ مِّمَّا تَعْبُدُونَ إِلَّا الَّذِي خَفَرَنِي أَنَّهُ سَيَهْدِينَ وَجَعَلَهَا سَلْمَةً دَاقِيَةً فِعَقْبِهِ وَعَلَّهُمْ لِيَرْجِعُونَ when Ibrahim السلام, said to his father and people that indeed I am free, I am innocent of whatever you worship, except the one who has created me, except the worship of Allah. So, I, mean, I am free from the worship of everything except the one who created me, so, indeed he will guide me and he has made it as a lasting word in his offspring, his descendants who will come after him, perhaps they will return. So, I mean, perhaps the that word will cause them to return. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the sentence. And likewise, the saying of Allah concerning that which He has ordered His Prophet Muhammad sallallahu wa sallam to deliver to this ummah, the saying of Allah in Surah Muhammad 47 verse 19, وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّاهُ That Allah has ordered and commanded, that your Lord has ordered and commanded that you do not worship. And the Prophet sallallahu wa sallam should say to the people that your Lord has commanded that you should not worship anyone except him. And he has said in another place, وَعَبُدُ اللَّهِ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا 
are these verses of the Quran and those that similar meaning in the noble book of Allah clearly indicate that the prophets and the messengers, all of them, all the people to the realization, the affirmation, and the fulfillment of the meaning of La ilaha illallah. Yani that there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped. There is no ma'adu, there is nothing which has the right to be worshipped in truth except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the explainer, the shariah, Shaykh Abayd al-Jabri, Hafizahullah, says, as for his saying, Yani the saying of Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, the proof of this condition, فَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Know that there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Allah. The remainder of that ayah, which Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab didn't mention, is فَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ يَسْتَغْفِرْ لِذَنْبِكَ وَلِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ مُتَقَلِّبَكُمْ وَمَثْلَاكُمْ Yani, know that there is nothing which deserves to worship except Allah and seek forgiveness for your sin and for the believing men and the believing women. All of the believers, men and women, and Allah knows uh, your going about and He knows your resting place. Shaykh Abdurrahman Sa'adi, Rahimahullah, the great scholar of our time, the Shaykh and teacher of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Tameen, Rahimahumallah, he says concerning uh, this ayah, he says that Al-Ilm la bidda fihi min iqraal al-Qalb wa ma'arifatuhu bina'ana ma'qalada minhu ilmuhu wa tanamuhu an la'amal bimuqtada'ahu. Yani that the knowledge it is necessary that there be confirmation of it in the heart, not just speaking on the tongue, but there must be confirmation of it in the heart. And what, yani, uh, and knowing what is the meaning of this word, la ilaha illallah, yani the meaning of what one is required or expected to know. One must confirm it in the heart and one must know the meaning of it and the perfection of that confirmation of the heart and knowing its meaning is to act in accordance with what it requires. And the knowledge that we say, the knowledge of La ilaha illallah, it is not only knowing its meaning, but also it is confirming it in the heart and then acting in accordance with it. As for this knowledge, which Allah has ordered us with, yani this ayat, Sa'alam, Annahu La ilaha illallah, Allah has ordered us to know that there is nothing which deserves to worship besides Him, the thing which He has ordered us to know, it is the Tawheed of Allah. And this knowledge of the Tawheed of Allah is part of It is obligatory on every individual, every human being. No one is free from this obligation, whoever they may be. In fact, everyone is required of, an, of necessity to know it. Then, after stating such, He gave us some of the ways or the means to come to know this truth or this reality that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah. He said the way to the knowledge of the reality that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah <coughs> are through different matters. The first of them, in fact the greatest of them, he said it is reflection upon the means of Allah and His characteristics. The dead book, 
أسمائه وصفاته to reflect upon the names of Allah and the characteristics of Allah it is one of the ways to come to know that that nothing deserves to worship except Allah it is one of the ways to know that this is a fact and that this is a reality that indeed nothing else deserves or has a right to be worshipped except Allah reflection upon his needs and his characteristics and reflection upon his actions the actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which indicate his perfection and his greatness and his glory so indeed whoever has extended or extended an effort uh, to consider this point to look at the needs of Allah and the characteristics of Allah then this person will come to know that Allah is indeed the one that deserves to be worshipped. He is the one that is the perfect Lord and Creator that has every right to be praised and to be glorified. <coughs> he is the one who is majestic and uh, glorified. <coughs> the second of the ways to know the reality of La ilaha illallah is to seek the knowledge So to know, and if one knows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who is singled out with creation and controlling the creation, whoever comes to know that Allah alone is the creator and Allah alone is the one who controls the creation, then he will know in that way that Allah alone deserves worship. So if he knows that he is the only creator and the only one who controls the creation, then it is only logical that he is the only one that deserves to be worshipped. The third way is to know that He is the only one who gives the bounties which we see openly and which we don't see openly. Whether they are related to the deen or related to the dunya, all of the bounties and favors that we experience, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone who gives them. And this requires, whoever reflects on this requires that their heart become attached to Him and that they love Him and that worship will be for him alone without having any partner. And the fourth of the ways to know the reality of La ilaha illallah is what we see and what we hear as the reward that Allah gives to his awliya, yani the allies of Allah, those who have iman and taqwa, who are fulfilling the right of every tawheed, worshipping him alone, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them success. And Allah gives them from His bounties, not only in the next life, but even in this world. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we also see that Allah punishes the enemies, the enemies from amongst the Mishnikini, those who oppose His awliya, and fulfill the rights of Tawheed, who worship Him alone, and don't associate anything with Him. So this, knowing such, observing these things, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala supports his awliya and how he opposes the enemies, this also calls us or invites us or helps us to know this knowledge that he alone is the one that deserves worship. And the fifth and the way that the Shaykh of Rahman al-Sa'di, Rahimahullah, mentioned to know the reality of La ilaha illallah, it is knowing the characteristics of the idols and those things that have been set up as equals with Allah, that are worshipped along with Allah, that have been taken as God besides Allah. When we look at their characteristics and we see that they are incomplete 
and imperfect in every way that we might consider it. That they are in need, that they are not free of need as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that they don't uh, contain or they don't possess or they don't control anything for themselves, nor for those who worship them. They cannot give any benefit, nor can they cause any harm. They do not control death, nor life, nor resurrection. They cannot help those who worship them. Then uh, they cannot benefit either in any way whatsoever those who worship them to give them any benefit or to remove from them any harm. So whoever knows this and reflects upon it, then this will also necessitate and will help that person to know the reality of La ilaha illallah, that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah and the falsehood of whatever is worshipped besides Him. And the sixth of the ways that He has suggested uh, that helps one to know the fact or the reality of La ilaha illallah is that all of the revelations, all of the books of Allah are in agreement upon this point. All of the revelations that have been revealed to the true prophets and messengers of Allah all agree on this fundamental point that nothing deserves to worship except Allah. The seventh point that he mentions is that the special creatures who are close to Allah and who are the best of the creation in character and in intellect and in their opinion or their view and in correctness and knowledge, they are the messengers and the prophets and the rightly guided scholars. Al-Ulama Rabbaniyun, and those scholars who seek correct knowledge and who teach correct knowledge and who act in accordance with their knowledge. The prophets and the messengers and such scholars, Al-Ulama Rabbaniyun, all of them bear witness to Allah that He alone deserves to be worshipped and this is also a proof that makes one to know the reality of La ilaha illallah. The last, the eighth and final thing that the Shaykh Rahimahullah, Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'di has mentioned concerning the ways of men and the reality of La ilaha illallah. <coughs> he said, if we, if we look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has established from the evidences that are in the universe and the evidences that are in ourselves which point to his tawheed in such a great way. If we look at these quotes, we will see that these things in the, 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 the condition of these evidences in ourselves and in the universe that uh, they point to the reality and they call to the, to the reality uh, of La ilaha illallah. And also, uh, that which calls to such is if we look at the kindness of Allah's creation and the uniqueness of His wisdom and even the strange things that Allah has created, the differences in the creation, uh, then all of these are ways that make us to know the reality of La ilaha illallah. And these are ways that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has called the people to come to know that nothing deserves to be worshipped besides Him. And He has made these things clear in His book, and He has repeated them again and again. So that the person who reflects upon such, even who reflects upon some of them, it is of necessity that that person will reach certainty, al of the knowledge of La ilaha illallah. So what if 
somebody looks at all of these ways and considers all of them and see how they are all in meaning, that they, they all establish the proofs of the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from every direction or aspect that one may consider. In this way, Iman and knowledge of La ilaha illallah will be confirmed and it will be established and rooted in the heart of the servant of Allah so that, uh, that, so that it will be like a mountain that whenever nothing, no doubt, uh, or nothing that one might imagine could shake that Iman or cause any doubt, uh, even if falsehood and doubtful matters are repeated and come again and again, it will only, yani that Iman and that own, it will only increase and become more perfect. And it means, he means to say here, that to all of us upon these ways of knowing the reality of La ilaha illallah, then their Iman and their knowledge and certainty of the meaning of La ilaha illallah and the reality of La ilaha illallah will only increase and grow and become more perfect. Then he said, after mentioning all of this, if anyone looks at the greatest evidence in Jaleel al-Azim, the greatest evidence and the, the, the most important matter, and it is reflection upon the mighty Qur'an, it is reflection upon the Qur'an itself, reflecting upon its verses, and this is the greatest door to the knowledge of Tawheed, and this way a person will achieve the details of this knowledge of La ilaha illallah as well as the general meanings and in a way it will be achieved in such a way that uh, it will be superior and will outdo any other way of reaching this knowledge and it is through the Qur'an first and foremost and most importantly reflecting upon the ayat of the Qur'an that when we come to know the meaning of La ilaha illallah and the reality of La ilaha illallah in general and in detail and then the Shaykh Al-Ubayt Jabi Hafidahullah says concerning uh, the ayat that Al-Imam Hamid al-Nabdi Wahab has used as a proof for this condition A'alam anhu la ilaha illallah then know that nothing deserves to worship except Allah He says from amongst the proofs that might be derived from this ayat the first of them is the obligation of the knowledge of the meaning of la ilaha illallah what it negates and what it confirms. And this ayah makes us to know it is obligatory. Allah orders us, Ha'alam, you must know, أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Therefore, this ayah indicates the obligation of knowing the meaning of La ilaha illallah, what it negates and what it confirms. <coughs> and we have just mentioned uh, what Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'di, rahimahullah, has given us in terms of the details of reaching, the ways of reaching this knowledge and the reality of this knowledge. The second point that may be derived from this hadith is that in the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to seek forgiveness for the believing men and the believing women is the inclusion of the sinful people from amongst the Muslims. And the command of Allah uh, to ordering the Prophet sallallahu alayhi to seek forgiveness for the believing men and the mu'minin or mu'minat this means that even the sinful believers are included in the command of Allah to seek forgiveness for them. And Imam Ahmed said that whoever dies from the people of the Qibla, the Muslims, 
and accept those who testify to the truth while they know they are accepted from what has been mentioned before that. And if that whoever testifies to the truth, understanding and knowing it means, uh, then a shafa'a, his shafa'a will benefit with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by his permission. And that if Allah allows someone to intercede, it will be those who testify to that than in Allah, knowing this means. The exception are those who testify to this word of Allah and Allah and knowing its meaning. As for the man's statement when he mentioned this ayat, except those who testify to the truth or knowing its meaning, and here he said that testifying to Al-Haq means testifying to La ilaha illallah. Shaykh Abdurrahman Al-Sa'di Rahimullah says concerning this point that the meaning of testifying to Al-Haq means testifying to La ilaha illallah. He said it means to pronounce with the tongue. Well, it means in the heart and knowing that which one is testifying to. And in testifying to the heart, well, you know, it means stating it on the tongue, the speech, and agreeing, having agreement with what is stated on the tongue and the heart, and knowing, understanding the meaning of one, what one is testifying to. Therefore, it is a condition uh, for one's testimony testifying to the truth, it is a condition uh, for anybody's testimony to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his uniqueness, his wahdaniyah, uh, it is a condition that that person must know what they are testifying to. Whoever testifies to the uniqueness of Allah, his wahdaniyah, or to his messengers, their prophethood, or their messengership, uh, and the correctness of what they have been sent with, and that which they have brought, whether it is from the fundamentals of the deen, or its branches, the usul, meaning the aqidah, or the kuru, the branches, meaning the jurisprudence, whoever testifies to this, and to the realities that they have brought, the truth that they have brought, and the legislations that they have brought, it is a condition that one testimony to such be accompanied by understanding the meaning of what one says on the tongue. So he says, as for the sahih, and what has been mentioned in the Sunnah of Sahih, here he means the Sahih of Muslim, and as for his statement, the Hadith that he mentioned, the Nata, wa huwa ya'lam, whoever dies while he knows, la ilaha illallah, whoever dies while he knows this to the end of that Hadith, he says that Al-Imam al-Nawi, rahimahullah, has entitled the chapter in which this Hadith is mentioned, he has entitled that chapter in the book of Iman, he entitled the chapter, الدليل على من مات على التوحيد دخل الجنة خطعاني and الإمام النووي رحمه الله in his explanation of Sahih Muslim and he mentions this hadith the hadith in Sahih Muslim here he made the title of the chapter in the book of Iman he entitled the chapter of this hadith the proof that whoever dies on Tawheed will definitely enter the Jannah دخل الجنة خطعاني that that person would definitely enter the paradise. This is the chapter heading that Al-Imam and Nawi Rahimahullah has placed over this hadith. Then the Shaykh says, the correctness of the author, Al-Imam Ahmad ibn Abdul Wahab, in using this hadith as a proof here, is in agreement with, with that which has been understood or derived from it by Al-Imam and Nawi in this chapter heading. And what he has taken from this hadith, to make that chapter heading and what Imam Ahmad ibn Abu Wahab has understood by using this hadith as a proof here on this point as if that is the condition of 
Lila is like more knowledge of it. He said that both of them are in agreement on this point. That whoever testifies to La ilaha illallah, then they will be to the paradise. Here, Al-Mam Nawi said they will definitely be to the paradise. And here, Al-Mam Nawi said they will have to be to the paradise. That it is a requirement to know. Min Nasa will be a lion. Whoever died while he lives, that there is nothing which deserves to worship except Allah alone, he will definitely enter the paradise. And the hadith with a similar meaning are many. And here the Sheikh mentioned in the explanation a couple of those hadith which are in agreement with this meaning. And amongst them he mentions that which is reported by Shaykhain and Bukhari and Muslim and Ubada ibn Asramid Rabbi Allah Anhu and that he said that the Messenger Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said and that hadith we have mentioned in the introduction whoever testifies that there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and whoever testifies that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger and whoever testifies that Isa, Jesus alayhi wa sallam is the slave of Allah and, and his messenger and the word which he has conveyed to Maryam and a spirit from himself and a spirit created by Allah and whoever testifies to the fact that the Jannah is a reality it is true and whoever testifies that the Naab, the fire if it is a reality, if it is true, then Allah will admit that person to the paradise, no matter whatever their deeds may be. The second hadith that we mentioned, uh, we have not mentioned in the introduction, and that is what has been reported by Imam Muslim on the authority of Jabir, رضي الله عنه, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam called, من لقي الله لا يشرك به شيئا دخل الجنة. وَمَنْ لَقِيَهُ يُشْرِكُ بِهِ شَيْئًا دَخَلَ النَّارِ This hadith is recorded by Imam Muslim in the book of Imam and with the, the chapter heading that whoever dies worshipping something besides Allah will enter uh, not worshipping something without worshipping something besides Allah will enter the paradise and the opposite whoever dies worshipping something along with Allah will enter the paradise This hadith, in this hadith, the other Rabbi Allah mentions the statement of the Nabi of Allah وسلم, that whoever meets Allah, من لقي الله and whoever meets Allah on the day of resurrection, on the day of judgment لا يشرك به شيئا and he has not committed any shirk, he has not worshipped anything along with Allah دخل الجنة he has entered the paradise and he will definitely enter the paradise and the opposite of all the truth is ومن لقيه يشرك به شيئا and whoever meets Allah, meaning on the day of judgment, on the day of accounting while he has worshipped something along with him and the hadith concerning this meaning, this meaning, who said that there are many, however the shaykh has mentioned here, these two. Uh, and he said also, and finally in closing, that these hadith which have been mentioned in this chapter, as you can see, and other hadith which have the same meaning, Uh, 
أن الله ينزل الخير ويستخدم
and known to meaning representatives of nothing and the fact of negation and affirmation, meaning what it negates, it negates la ilaha, negates worship to other than Allah. That is nothing that deserves to worship. And it negates worship to everything other than Allah. And illa Allah is affirmation, it affirms uh, worship for Allah alone. So the statement of la ilaha illallah, <laughs> we must know that it negates worship to other than Allah and affirms it. Of him alone. Question number 5 mentioned was the need for an evidence for this shark or condition from the Quran or from the Sunnah. The evidence is from the Quran and Sunnah many, from amongst that which Imam Muhammad Abu Wahab has mentioned, it is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَاهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لِذَنْبِكَ وَلِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَلِلْمُؤْمِنَاتِ Know that he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, had nothing deserved to worship except him. And then he forgiveness for the sin and for the believers, men and women. And the sunnah, the hadith of Uthman ibn Hassan, Rabbi Allah, and who referred to Alma Muslim, for the guys, while he knows that nothing deserves to worship except Allah, then he will enter the paradise. Question number six, what is the hukum of the Muslim concerning knowing La ilaha illallah? Yani, the rule concerning knowing La ilaha illallah is that Allah has ordered us to know it. In that above ayat, He has ordered us that we must know it. It is the command to know the tawheed of Allah, and the rule concerning this knowledge is that it is obligatory on every individual. It is called ayin for every human being. Nobody is free from this responsibility no matter who they may be. Section number seven mentions some of the ways to come to know that La ilaha illallah is a fact. As Shaykh Abdurrahman of Sa'adi has mentioned a number of ways that can be followed, a number of paths that a person can follow to know that La ilaha illallah is a fact. And amongst them is reflecting upon the names and characteristics of Allah and with actions which indicate his perfection and greatness and glory. The second of them is to seek the knowledge and to know, to realize and to recognize that Allah is alone in His creation and controlling the universe and therefore it is only right and logical that He should be alone in His right to worship. Number three, it is the knowledge that Allah is alone in, in being the one who gives the bounties and favors which we see openly, outwardly and inwardly which we don't see. And also the knowledge of the uh, characteristics of the idols that are worshipped besides Allah and knowing and realizing that all of them are imperfect in every aspect that we might consider. And this also will help us to realize that Allah alone deserves to be worshipped. Likewise, the fact that there is agreement amongst the revealed books that Allah has sent to the prophets and messengers on this point that Allah alone deserves to be worshipped and likewise there is agreement Amongst the chosen of Allah, whether from amongst the prophets or the messengers, or the ulama of Rabbaniyun, the righteous scholars who act in accordance with the correct knowledge that they teach, there is agreement amongst them, all testifying to the fact that Allah alone deserves to be worshipped. Question number 8 mentions some of the points that may be derived from this verse, and the verse, فَعَلَمْ أَنْهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Know that nothing deserves to worship except Allah. The first point that may be derived from it, is the obligation of knowing the meaning of La ilaha illallah and that which includes affirmation and negation. 
And the second point is that the command of Allah to the Prophet to seek forgiveness for the believing men and the believing women is inclusive of the sinful Muslims, that they also include it in the command to seek forgiveness for them. And this is the proof that they need in Islam and that they are not out of Islam. Number nine, mention some of the points that we will derive from the hadith of Jabir, <coughs> that one of Allah without worshiping anything along with him will enter the paradise. The first point is that uh, in this hadith is the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that whoever dies on Tawheed, they enter the paradise. And this shows the importance of Tawheed and keeping it pure and free from any defects. And the second of them is that, <coughs> is that the person who commits the major sin does not go outside of that which is called Iman. Though the one who commits sin is a fasted due to his sin, that is a believer due to his Iman. He doesn't go out of Iman. He is a Muslim to the extent that he has some Iman, and he is a fasted to the extent that he commits sin. This is the end of what we can mention if there are any questions or comments or corrections when we take them now. Subhanakallah, my Bihamdika, Ashadun la ilaha illa anta, Ashadun la ilaha illa anta,
that did not really knowledge, but it is also compliant, al-hukiyat, compliant with what the word of Allah and Allah requires. So the relationship between these two things is that knowledge is a requirement for the acceptance of one's testimony in this world and in the next life. And when a person is questioning about these three matters, the first of them being who is your Lord, they will not be able to answer unless they know and understand and have believed in and acted according with it in this world. And Allah knows that. Knowing it's meaning and believing in it. And Allah knows that. 